Last time we checked in with Bill Mott, the CEO of Falcon Events, he was he was finding he was having difficulty. I think incorporating all of the business. He does virtual events that are spread out, not only all over the country, but all over the globe. And everybody had pivoted to virtual events, not going to convention centers anymore. We thought we'd check in and see how business is now. Bill Mott joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, David. And you're back on the road because you're joining us today. Where are you in Baltimore? I'm in Baltimore at a hybrid event. It's, a, it's at a conference at a, in a hotel ballroom, like the old days. So finally, you're you're getting back <laughs> into the to the convention center. Is this the first one of the first ones you've done? We did uh, four or five in June. Those were the first. Um, but yeah, they are starting to trickle back in. Um, and a little, go ahead. No, I go because I was thinking these things usually. It seems like they're planned. I mean, just a year or two in advance sometimes. And everything went off the schedule. Right. Uh, you know, I think the vaccine rolled out, uh, you know, early spring, late winter. And these meeting planners got busy in a hurry trying to plan some of these things. And these are the first ones to hit hit the market. Now, I will say um, the attendance is uh, not that great. Like this one probably has 100 people in the audience, but there's three or 400 people watching online. So um, it's a new world for sure. In the old days, how many would there have been? Four or five hundred there? Yeah, this one, I, this particular one, I'm at probably four or five hundred in person. So, tell me about. Can you see the future right now? Because this is one of the things we were talking about last year when we talked. Is we, we figured that everything was going to be changed going forward, but we didn't really know how. Do you have a better mm-hmm. sense of that now? No, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did, David. You know, uh, it's day to day. Um, a, a lot of us in the event professional world are just dying to get back on show sites, especially people that have been out of work. But, you know, last week, the stock market tumbled on Monday uh, news from the Delta variant, and no one really knows what to make of that. So as we go into the busy fall conference trade show season, um, I you know, there are people literally sitting on pins and needles right now trying to figure out, do we go, do we not go? Um, and if we do go, what does that look like? How do we make it a virtual hybrid experience for for the people who don't show up? What are the risks? Uh, you know, um, so there, there's just a lot to think about. And I wish I did have a crystal ball, but I do not. <laughs> you know, you've you've pivoted successfully. And I know you really, I'm, I'm serious, I know you've really been busy. You're telling me you were putting sometimes 50 events on simultaneously in a day. But there's so many municipalities that have invested money in big convention centers. There are hotels that are that are you know, 70% convention-oriented, all the big meeting rooms, all the restaurants surrounding those. I mean, it's a massive community that assumes that people are going to go travel and go to conferences. Right. You know, it's it, events are very diverse. I think your exhibit floor events, uh, the CESs of the world, with a lot of exhibit booths, those are coming back. Those frankly are awful in the virtual event world. Uh, No one, no one likes to be a virtual uh, exhibit booth uh, participant or, uh, you know, booth, uh, booth person, you know, Um, they just don't work, honestly, but the lecture based events. So a lot of medical conferences where you go and sit and listen to a lecture and get a, get like a continuing education credit. 
I don't know, David. I, I think those might stay virtual for a very long time because they just they work very well. They're very efficient. They're you know people just like them. Have you been able to keep up with the technology? I mean, I know you know what to do because this is what you do for a living. But you know the supply chain's backed up. They tell me you can't get equipment. I would assume cameras or you know whatever equipment you need for the virtual events would be hard to get. That stuff, uh, I think they've caught up on a lot of that stuff. It was very, very hard to get early on in the pandemic, but um, the supply chain has uh, kind of shored up for us. Um, you know, good luck with with uh, a car at this point, but, you know, <laughs> everything else is uh, in the AV world pretty all right. Well, and we were also talking about a crowded field. Everybody rushing into this, everybody who has access to Zoom wants to – you know, put on a virtual conference. Has that settled down any? Are people realizing that it takes a little bit more than a subscription to Zoom? Well, uh, yeah, I, that's that's a tough one to answer as well. Um, you know, the, there's big giants out there in the event production world, um, you know, four or five massive companies that I, I've worked for a couple of them. They're dying to get back on show site, but I don't think they're going to just abandon virtual. Um, but they're they're a, they have a very uphill uh, battle ahead of them because they have to now hire back all the people they furloughed. They have to figure out all the logistics of going back on show site again with new people or inexperienced people. And they have to keep their eye on virtual and how to manage that whole side of the business. Um, so, you know, we at, at Falcon and my company, you know, we're, we're having a lot of success partnering with the, some of these traditional um, AV companies and event production companies to kind of help them supplement their labor, supplement their equipment as they go back on show site and focus on that side of the business. Well, do you keep a big staff or do you have a whole series of gig workers that come on, you know, sort of by event? We, uh, we have kind of a hybrid model. We do have uh, about 35 full-time employees. Well, we have about 100 to 150 uh, part-time employees. We W-2 them. We give them email email addresses. We, keep, we treat them as part of the family, and, and it does create loyalty and camaraderie. So that's how, how we've had a lot of success. So catch me up on the volume that you're doing right now. I mean, how many events sure. will you do in, an, in a week? Uh, any week probably has four to five events, but, you know, some of these events will have 10 or 12 channels uh, of live content so they might have imagine going to a big conference and there's 10 breakout rooms going at the same time yeah. in one event so, so you're covering all of those yeah well yeah you have to yeah correct um we just crossed 250 events uh the other day for the year i think we'll hit about 500 this year um and again some of these we did we did a 39 uh channel uh 39 room event uh back in april one event so that kind of gives you a sense of how big some of these can get so you have to have that has to be crude well i i yeah. how, how, people are getting their signals in from what their home zooms or something speakers and then you Pretty channel much, yeah. that and send it back out Exactly. So our office in Irving has, uh, imagine a field of cubes. <laughs> um, each cube has a full AV production setup with a video switcher and lots and lots of computers and a technician. And the technician is bringing in camera feeds, typically over Zoom. And then we're uh, switching together playback videos, graphics, PowerPoint. We're adding lower thirds and high polished um you know, production production quality. We're adding that into the mix and live streaming that out to 
uh, again, one of hundreds of virtual event platforms that now exist today. So it depends on what, what the event is using. We will stream that out to, to them. But we're managing all the presenters and all the live content that's going into the event. You had to learn this on the fly, I would assume. I mean, a certain amount of it you've done, but not this kind of volume. I wouldn't think you ever had 39 rooms simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, my partner and I have been doing event streaming for 15 years or so, but you're right. It was all in the ballroom and it was kind of in a more controlled environment with bigger crews per room. And but now we're throwing a lot at these technicians. They have to sit and kind of switch a show by themselves. They're the audio person. They're the playback video person. They're the talent wrangling person. Um, it, it has been a very, very steep learning curve for sure. So the last time I asked you, you gave me an interesting answer. I'll ask you the same question again. What kind of weird stuff are you doing? You, you were telling me about who was it? a quilting convention that you did. <laughs> sure. And then, then um, and then medical where they're, they're actually, you having to film people getting dissected. Sure. Yeah, that's common. Yeah. We'll go into the surgery room and we'll, we'll stream that out to, to an audience that wants to learn. I think the oddest one we did the other day was a zebrafish convention. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah, there is a zebrafish uh, association out there, and they have a conference. I didn't know what it was. I looked it up. Uh, apparently, it's, it is some. There is some medical application for zebrafish. Something to do with their DNA. Um, I, I would lie to you if I said I paid attention very closely to a lot of this content, but a lot of it goes right over my head. So, but no, yeah, there's some, there's some interesting ones out there. It's, it's a front row seat of a, a wealth of information to be a technician in this field. But, but, the, but the fact that you're there present as we're speaking in Baltimore shows that, you know, we're getting back. And it's, it's still my sense that, I mean, there's a lot of medical convention where you have to get training and, you know, maybe you just want to learn quilting, but a lot of people just want to get out of town. And go have some fun and me, you know, yeah, go to a convention, but you can ride it off and you can go eat steaks and go to cocktail parties and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're not going to be able to put an end to that. Uh, yeah, I do think uh, uh, attendees will be a way more selective on where they're not going to do as many of those per year. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be more selective. They love going to the coast. They like going to Vegas and Chicago. But I don't see a lot of them going to, you know, Kansas City or St. Louis. Nothing against the Midwest, right? So, or, uh, da or Dallas in that a, it, Dallas in August, for example. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nothing against those places, but meeting planners are going to have to be very selective if they know their audience is coming for that reason that you mentioned, David, to to get out of town and for leisure as part of the event. Take them to San Diego. You know, right? That's where they want to go. And so the, I think you're going to see uptick in demand for those event cities and. Uh, other event cities might see a downswing. Well, I, I like I say, I think there are going to be a lot of changes. A lot of restaurants and hotels and convention centers mm -hmm. and other businesses are going to change. Uh, Bill Mott's keeping up with all the change. He's the CEO of Falcon Events. Enjoy the conversation. Always do. Thank you for the time. Thank you very much, David. Glad to be here. Thanks for more of our conversation with Mr. Mott. Go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.